I've been critical of RMM providers on the show, and ConnectWise has been willing to engage in that discussion. Amir Karim, who leads the company's efforts here, was a guest on the show last year and was willing to come back again to talk about the evolution of their products. This episode was recorded live during IT Nation Connect 2023, and this is a bonus episode of The Business of Tech. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We have the rare return visitor, Amir Kareem, joins me. We're going to talk a little bit about the RMM to UMM space, all the space investments that ConnectWise has made. Amir, thanks for joining me today. Excited to be here. So the, the obvious first question we talked a year ago, what's changed in a year? Well, first of all, RMM is not on dead on arrival because I remember we had that amazing conversation. Uh, and I'm excited to share that uh, we believe that RMM has evolved, if anything, right? Uh, one of the things that we talked about is how the needs are changing and how complex it is for our MSPs to manage their environment. Uh, you know, it's not just your traditional endpoints or virtual machines, but our partners are now having to deal with different networks, right? Managing network equipment, network devices within the environment of a client. You've got cloud workloads playing a role. Uh, and then of course, can't forget where the average MSP is managing multiple backup vendors, right? Three, four, five. I hear some as many as seven, eight, especially as the MSP space continues to consolidate. And as you bring in multiple MSPs together, you're working through that challenge of working through different tech stacks, different tools, different backup vendors, and so on. Um, so what's exciting for this show is we're announcing uh, essentially bringing all of those key sets of capabilities within the RMM, or as we're now calling it, UMM, Unified Monitoring and Management. And so what UMM really is, is a combination of what, what, what was traditionally an RMM tool, but now we're adding in network monitoring and management capability, which is essentially allows you to see all your network devices, see the uh, performance of those devices, be able to uh, understand what devices are on, off, you know, and then be able to address that, the health of all that. Uh, then next after that, we've got uh, the integration of cloud monitoring and management, which essentially allows you to integrate with the client's Microsoft Azure tenant, uh, and then be able to manage that on behalf of the client. Instead of going back and forth between the Microsoft Azure portal and uh, you know your RMM, now it's all deeply integrated into our UMM tool. And then finally, as I mentioned, a lot of our MSP partners are working through many vendors. And so what we've done is rolled out a new capability called backup monitoring and management which essentially hooks directly into all the key leading backup vendors, allowing you to kind of see a single pane of glass across all of the backup vendors, understanding which jobs have been completed, which jobs have been failed, uh, what's the status of your backup jobs, do you need to go in and restart jobs, wherever. So now you can never be uh, out of touch in understanding what jobs are done or not. So I just, that's a macro view of things. Yep. I'm sure, you know, 
We can go into any one of those. <laughs> well, so I could rules lawyer a little bit and laugh and go, well, you guys have changed the name and killed off RMM by renaming we it. So did I not. Can rule, <laughs> we can rules lawyer a little. But I, but I actually want to dig in a little bit into the, into the let's talk some cloud stuff. Yeah. Because this is an area that I've been talking about for a long time, is needing more investment in cloud management. Talk to me about the vision of the way cloud management, one of the things that I've pushed back on is, is everyone talks about, well, we do cloud management and it's this one thing, like Microsoft 365 or Microsoft Azure. Talk to me about the larger vision of what cloud management means for you. When, when I talk about UMM, I don't feel like it's appropriate for us to just do uh, deep verticals on one thing, right? So if you're, if you're entering a space or a category, you kind of have to cover it broadly, hence the word unified. And so our vision is really taking cloud monitoring and management beyond just a integration with Azure specifically. Now, we have to start somewhere. And so this year at this show, we're announcing the integration with Azure, but we're working on you know, bringing in AWS and GCP as well. So that way, again, you have a full bird's eye view across all your cloud workloads because every MSP and the clients itself will have different needs for different cloud tools, right? Uh, not everyone's all in Azure. While we, uh, you know, while we got the feedback from our partners that Azure is the choice, right? Sure. Preferred choice these days. Uh, but there are many partners that are using AWS. There are many partners that are doing GCP in certain environments. And so what we want to do is be able to bring all of that, be able to manage them directly within the UMM console, uh, and then be able to immediately take action on it as well. So the way the current scenario works or solution works today is I'm able to click on any cloud workload within our UMM tool and be able to click on it and it directly links into the Azure portal. So you no longer have to be going back and forth between two screens. You're always in that single pane of glass mindset and then click on it and then have direct links back and forth. Because uh, there's not, we're not going to replicate everything in the portal, but what we're doing is the 80-20 rule that I talk about, right? 80% of the time you're wanting to do certain things, we're going to bring that directly embedded into the solution. And then for those rare, occurrence, uh, rare occurrence where you need to go out and do some advanced setup, configurations possibly, then you step out. Now how does this fit in with the robotic process automation story that, you, that, that we're talking about now? Because RPA has been a, a, yeah. a key issue, I would think. Yeah. The UMM product fits squarely in that. How's, how do those fit together? Well, think of it as another component in the workflow, okay. right? So, remember I talked about you've got your traditional RMM, you've got network monitoring, cloud monitoring, and backup monitoring. Well, these are now all components that I can say, hey, if I want to set up a new account in the cloud, RPA can help me go create that. If I want to set up a new user on Microsoft 365, RPA can do that, right? If I want to offboard uh, a particular employee or user, I can do that. Like there's a lot of things, but now you can grab and drag and drop these components saying, hey, here's a cloud component, here's a networking component, right? Uh, here's a you know, backup job. So what's nice about this is with our workflow automation capabilities, you're able to stitch all that together and quite honestly, it saves time for our technicians. Now, I want to push back with a little bit of my jaded question, right? Yeah. I could get back in the DeLorean and I could go back to early 2006, 2007 timeframe. And this tech, in the MSP space, everyone was talking about, well, we're going to do automation and yeah. you're going to use these tools to automate. 
what's different in this version of it than the historical versions that we've been talking about for a while? I think one of the biggest things is uh, simplicity. Um, we, we have automations today. Uh, in fact, you know, I'll talk about how our RMM tool has already uh, done over six million automations, mm -hmm. right? Right. And so <laughs> that's a perfect example of the tool is already doing a tremendous amount, but today it requires some time to think through it. Now we're doing a lot of it with some of the capabilities we already have, but to me, RPA takes it to the whole next level, right? Now you're able to bring in different components versus just a simple um, task, right? Uh, now you're able to bring in different levels of, like I said, network cloud monitoring and bring that together and create an action. And in some cases with AI, I can actually get more advanced um, intelligence in the process to create an RPA, whereas in the past, I had to think through things, okay, I want this to happen, that to happen. So I think nothing has changed per se uh, from, from what was done in the past, other than now it's just super simple, it's, all, it's super automated, it's actually providing you steps and guidance, and you know the results are, are there. I saw school gamers are going to go. Well, that's the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo. No, I don't, I, I don't know about. <laughs> I don't know if I would do that level of comparison. But uh. hey, you, you brought up Super. So, but you brought also brought up AI, and I want to get a sense of the way you're thinking about what's important in AI in the UMM space. Yeah, I, it's a great question. Uh, actually, we were the first to uh, actually bring in AI, or now we're calling Sidekick. Mm -hmm. Sidekick was actually introduced earlier this year in both our ConnectWise Automate and ConnectWise RMM products where we incorporated the opportunity for admins and techs to be able to create PowerShell scripts right within both of those products. And so a partner can go in and within our script editor go in and say, you know, uh, help me create a script, right? So write me a script to show me all Windows laptops that have 50% battery life, right? Mm -hmm. Press the button, and within seconds, it'll generate a PowerShell script that you can deploy uh, without thinking hard on how do I write this script, you know, noodling over it, do I have it right, is it gonna do the right things? Uh, and so, you know, what would have taken 30 minutes, hour, sometimes days, depending on the complexity of the script, can be done less than 10, 15 seconds, right? And that's integrated directly with our Azure OpenAI integration directly into both of these RMM tools. And so that was kind of the first of what we're looking at doing. The other things we're looking at doing is how does chatbot comes in and helps the admins and techs of the world to allow them to understand their environment at a very simple way of just naturally speaking around Hey, show me all the devices. Which devices are offline? Which devices need protection? How's my patching compliance, right? There's all kinds of things that I can now do. And then instead of me querying that, going in, clicking on it, drilling down, opening up different portals, just with a simple natural language, I'm now able to bring that and retrieve that information instantly. So I think AI is, we're at the early, the way I look at it is, we're in first phase of what AI truly is. Uh, and every day, it continues to evolve. Um, just look at what OpenAI and how OpenAI continues to innovate and each, each time they continue to bring out new capabilities. And so 
when you look at our sidekick experience, we're using our own custom large language models or LLMs, mm -hmm. machine learning, and generative AI. So it's a combination of all three is how we're bringing AI in fold with all ConnectWise products, but more specifically as well with RMM. So I'm going to ask the, the anti-question kind of intentionally, because you've, you've come, thought of a lot of really interesting use cases in the discussions, but what are some of the ones that you've thought about explicitly as not appropriate for, for AI? Because, because I would think as you bound it, you've probably said, these are areas I don't think are as good for the, for the technology. Well, with any, with any technology, there are malicious actors that will use it to, uh, to do malicious activities, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think that, uh, you know, in our environment where MSPs are managing fleets of devices, there's a lot of damage that can be done if somebody doesn't execute a particular action, right? Um, you know, rewrite or wipe all of your C drive, right? That's a destructive right. model, right? right? So things like that, so that's where last year, uh, well actually uh, earlier this year, excuse me, we, we announced our responsible AI statement, right? Around how we view AI, how AI should be used, how we're going to ensure and protect the well, uh, well-being of our MSPs around their privacy and what information is used to incorporate on our large language models and so on. So I think there are many use cases that we have to protect against because you just never know who is on the other end and what they're executing. So I just gave you an example of mm -hmm. being destructive in the sense of wiping hard drives. You can remove AV protection, which opens up breaches. Like there's all kinds of things that you don't probably want AI to do. And so we're, our, our product teams are thinking through what kind of limitations do we want? Not limitations, but really put parameters around it that way. Now, can somebody still go do things like that? I'm sure. Uh, but we want to make sure that we are putting in the guardrails that prevent that kind of destructive activity. So, we've talked a little bit about the, the framework on that. How are you involving, you know, what are the components that you're pulling together to, to be effective with that framework? Really, because I mean, you've got the, the keys to the castle when you think about a, a UMM product the way you're talking about it. How are you making sure that it's not just your team that you're pulling in, you know, field experience? And what's the approach that you're using there? I, phenomenal question, right? Because when we initially rolled out our script editing capability, we had many partners claiming, oh, I would never bring AI. Uh, AI is destructive. AI's got, you know, the antibodies started saying, hey, we've got all these challenges. Uh, we don't want to use it, all that kind of stuff, right? So we weren't rushing to the market. We wanted to make sure that our partner feedback was incorporated in it. That's why we did an early, uh, what we call early access, where we allow uh, a, a subset of partners to have access to the experience and then give us feedback. And that was exceptionally well received because it allowed our teams to work hand hand on hand with uh, with partners and understand their use cases, and also thinking through what is a day day in the life of an admin or a technician, and what do they need the tool for, and how AI can help them. And so we put in a lot of their feedback, incorporated a lot of their feedback into our initial release of this AI script generation. The other thing is we have our uh, ConnectWise Evolve 
organization where we work very closely with partners. Um, obviously, events like this allow us to get feedback as well. So there's a lot of um, uh, ways for us to gather feedback, uh, understand what's working, what's not, before we actually incorporate it in the product. And so in the case of AI, where I, like I said, we, we know that it's early in its stages, we're not rushing per se, but at the same time, we know the market is adopting it as well. So it's that fine balance that you have to do rapid iteration, get feedback, bring it to market, and then continue to evolve. So, so let, me, let me ask the, the, the question, and this is also a Patrick question from the security side, right? But, but how do you think about making these products more secure by default? Because at some level, if you're taking a product, a UMM product, you are essentially saying, well, you are a delegated administrator, and we're going to give you complete access to everything. How do you think about trying to approach this from a least access privilege perspective when the tool almost requires full access? How do you balance all that, and what are you changing? Well, it, it, that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of things uh, as I call it, security first mindset at ConnectWise, right? That's kind of how we all think and live and breathe. We've got our CISO and the entire security organization as part of our product development cycle. So when a product manager thinks of an idea, our security folks are actually right at that step. So it's not like, well, let the product teams and then the engineering teams and then go develop and then we'll throw it over the fence and let the security folks, you know, evaluate it mm -hmm. and see what else needs to get tweaked or get shut down. What we believe is the right way to develop secure products is that you have the core set of folks at the early stage as ideas are being formed, as new concepts are being developed, security is being part of that. You know, are we doing the right things? Are we putting the right parameters in place? You know, role restrictions, right? Um, who has access to it? How destructive can it be, right? All kinds of things are being discussed as the concept is being developed. And then as product evolves, right? The idea evolves into a product or service. Then it, on the other end, comes out more secure in mind, right? So, uh, again, super, super simplified here, but that's how we are incorporating security. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I'm just trying to think through some of the things that we've recently done, but I mean, Patrick and his team have just been, um, you know, ama amazing to work with because as our product teams and engineering teams are working through ideas, they're actually developing that and giving us suggestions. So, you know, at times, many times people think security is a barrier we see that as an opportunity, right? So that way you get advancement, you get innovation, but also you're still secure out of the gate. All right, I'm going to take this opportunity because my listeners know that I've been saying that they should be asking all their vendors this. I have the opportunity to ask you, where are you on thinking about pass keys when it comes to, to, the, to the product? In terms of uh, a passwordless environment? Yes, a passwordless environment. Yeah, I just wanted to, because I know people use it differently. So. I would say that uh, we all know that there's always way too many passwords, right? I know from my personal experiences, uh, I have way many passwords, right? Uh, in fact, sometimes I have to use a, use a password management tool. But I think the world is evolving. There are different ways to authenticate, verify, 
you know, MFA. There's a lot of ways to help uh, identify if you are who you really are uh, with zero trust and so many other uh, aspects. So am I a believer that, you know, pass keys is going to happen or are we going to move to a passwordless environment? I think it's coming. It's coming. Um, and, you know, we're thinking about it already and how that plays a role for the various techs and administrators that are using our products uh, and what do we need to do differently in order to deliver the ease of use, right? Because now a technician can just walk in, but you have to authenticate, you have to make sure I am who I am and then give them, as you call mm -hmm. it, keys to the kingdom uh, or castle. <laughs> either uh, one. Yeah, either one. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I think uh, we're, we are a believer of it. We're working through some ideas right now. Um, but, uh, you know, stay tuned. All right, stay tuned. I'm going to keep asking. But Amir, I appreciate you coming on. You've been, you've been really a great sport about answering these questions. Thank you. And I really appreciate you uh, joining me for this conversation. Thanks for having me. This appreciate been great. it. Thanks. Yep. I'm teaching my first class over five weeks, starting on January 9th, 2024. Build skills to transform your business. Week one teaches you how to forecast tech trends for a competitive edge. Week two sharpens your decision-making in tech adoption. And in week three, we master the financial metrics like ROI and TCO to ensure your investments pay off. Week four is all about compliance and risk management. And week five lets you piece it all together to create strategic roadmaps for your business. Designed for both seasoned pros and those aspiring to break into the field, join me for this five-week class. Link in the show notes to find out more. The Business of Tech is written by me, Dave Sobel, under ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. This episode was edited and produced by Picture This Video. If you like the content, please make sure to hit that like button and follow and subscribe. It's the free and easy way to support the show and help us grow. You can also check out our Patreon, where you can join the Business of Tech community at patreon.com slash MSP radio or buy our Why Do We Care merch at businessof.tech. Finally, if you're interested in advertising on the show, visit mspradio.com slash engage. Thanks for listening today, and I will talk to you again on the next episode of The Business of Tech. Part of the MSP Radio Network.